Good morning, everybody. I have not podcasted for, seems like a month. It was the third, I think, was the last time. <clears throat> and it was the first episode of chapter two, chapter two, uh, season two of this podcast. No, three. It's season three. Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, I should have been documenting because a lot has happened, a lot. So I'll try to summarize everything in this one. So I came on last time. I think it was like the worst day of my life. Like the worst night's sleep, if I'm not mistaken. Like uh, I was just tormented by the fact that my potential future that I so-called desired so much was just ripped out from under me. And I felt hopeless and everything else. And, um, but what are you going to do? You know, are you going to give up? So obviously not. Um, and my uncle Ben had died and I found, okay, so I, I don't know. I just kind of, I think I talked about it, but I was in love with some woman, uh, in my mind and I really did love her, you know, but in my mind, I was going to get back together and all this and everything and working toward that, working toward that. And really felt like I was getting close. Found out my uncle Ben died, which really wasn't a surprise. I mean, that was coming, but it's a big undertaking to go face all those people and be the source of strength and all that. And then I got a show coming up and I'm, oh, just a lot going on anyway. And then I find out, or I, you know, I noticed that she's, uh, married somebody, this woman that I love. And that was like the most, you know, heart wrenching feeling ever. Like the most instant, like, (gasps) Oh, what do you do? You know? So that first night was really tough. If I remember correctly, very, very, very tough, like no sleep, just, uh, torment. But I don't know. Then the next day I had to travel and I did and I just had kept busy. Go, go, go. And, you know, there's <clears throat> I need to memorize that the way it's said. There's two things I listen to and they say the same thing differently. And I don't know how it's said exactly, but something to the effect that your result in life, like the landscape of your life is exactly what you want it to be. And your refusal to see that is what keeps you there. Like, if you really want something, you'd have it. And uh, Tom Billy says, the, you know, the harsh answer is you just don't want it badly enough. Otherwise, you'd have it. And it don't matter what it is. Oh, that's tough. You know, that pulls all the victimization out, right? It's like, yeah. And I believe that. I believe that. So the fact of the matter is, you know, whether it was fear keeping me from, it doesn't matter. Like if, if I really wanted something, I'd have it. So, and there's the whole relationship with God element. And God says, if you don't have it, you don't need it. You know, God's got a purpose for everybody. <clears throat> There is a specific purpose that God has for you and you have everything you need at every given time to move toward that purpose. Let me expound on that a little bit. So it's like, there's a lot of things you'll need that you don't have right now to completely pursue your purpose. But as far as where you're at right now, you have everything you need to get to the very next step. 
I believe that. I need to find that in, in the Bible through some narrative or something. I do believe that's true. I don't have this, you know, chapter and verse to back that up. But let me, let me work on that and I'll get back to you. So it is, just is what it is. You know, you either choose to believe that or, or not, you know, but it's so disempowering to believe contrary to that because then what? You're just a victim. You're like, oh no, my life sucks, whatever. So like the power is within you. It is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Like this is, uh, this is real stuff, folks. But uh, anyway, so I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I went home and that, the, the pain of that was uh, not, it wasn't crippling. It wasn't crippling. It was, uh, it was like a, a wake up call. That you got to move. You got to take action. Like things aren't just going to happen. You got to, you got to do it, you know? And I mean, to be honest, and I may have talked about this in the last time, I don't, I'm kind of backtracking, but like, I felt like God told me to reach out to her and it was the hurricane, right? There was a hurricane coming towards she, where she lived. And I was just so concerned for, her, so concerned. And I was like, okay, well, if this happens, I'll do it. Blah, blah, blah. And then certain things didn't happen. And I didn't do, I didn't reach out. And, uh, I really felt like I should have. And, uh, and then sure enough, I didn't. And like the next day, it seemed like she got married. So if I would have, it would have, who knows what it would have done to her. If she would have still done it or not done it or anything else. And I don't know, like there's, what is, what does Tim McGraw say? We do what we do and we pay for our sins. And there's no such thing as what might've been it's a waste of time so that's a waste of time to think about what might have been and you know god's voice right you know i think i heard his voice i really really do i genuinely believe that and i could have i could have responded to it and i didn't and so i could beat myself up for not or i could document that internalize that feeling and and what it really feels like to hear god's voice and be like okay never again i'm not going to deny that voice i'm going to be obedient and do it and even though i disobeyed the bible is still true and we know all things work together for the good to them that are the call to them that love god and are called according to his purpose something like that so you got to love god you got to be called to his purpose and if that's true then uh then all things work together for good even your mess ups so I just have to believe that. I have to believe that. And uh, I do believe that. So I got over it. I got over it. I don't know. I don't know how I got over it so fast. It hits me every once in a while, you know. It does hit me. I really love that girl. I don't think any, nobody's ever loved me like she did. She never even told me she loved me, but I just really felt like she loved me the most. You know, she understood me and and truly appreciated me. But that was then, and who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she didn't, you know. But anyway, for I guess the power of God just kind of helped me get over it. But And I've been busy. So I went home, and so the anxiety around going home was my grandfather, right? So my grandfather, his spirit lives within me to some extent, right? I was... uh, my mother, when she was pregnant with me, she told my grandfather, you stay away from my kid. You messed your kid up. That was my dad. So you stay away from my kid. So my grandfather actually watched his dad shoot himself. And then 
he went to special forces vietnam and all that and then he was a college professor and bought the farms and scary manipulative uh, controlling human being very hurt though it's all it's all comes from pain and what but whatever but very 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 sadistic abusive human being but whatever you know there's a lot of people like that well some so he did mess my dad up big time my dad drank himself to death you know many years after my mom told him to stay away from me when she was pregnant with me but anyway when i came out like he actually told that story my grandfather didn't he was proud of the fact that she had no power over me and i was I longed for my grandfather's approval more than anything else in the world. So much so that I lived with him. Sixth grade. Sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, I lived with him for over a year. He, and, uh, because I just wanted to, uh, I wanted his approval so much. You know, I just thought he walked on water. (laughs) But uh, he was hard on me. I don't know if he was more hard on me than anyone else, but I think he was. It was tough. It was tough, but I was going to prove that I could, I, could, I could gain his approval. Well, I never did. I never did. And uh, so that spirit of not being able to be pleased kind of worked its way down into my personality. And that's really been the the issue i've had with women like i've made it so hard for them to please me that it's just i wouldn't wish that relationship on anybody i mean the good times are great but the the bad times are unbearable so thank god i never married anybody because their life would be miserable so that all kind of runs through that and uh Anyway, about a year ago, I went home for my mom's husband, my stepdad's funeral. And I was like, well, I better go see him, my grandpa. And uh, so I called my Uncle Ben. I'm like, all right, I'm going to come out to the farm. and I'll see y'all, whatever, get everybody together and I'll stop out. Whatever, I'll face, I'll face that monster. Well, anyway, then he told my grandpa that. My grandpa said he didn't want to see me, you know. And I was, like, consoled in that. Like, it's okay. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Not by my Uncle Ben, but by someone else. And, uh, and that's... I, when I found out he didn't want to see me, I was, like, 1,000% relieved. Because I don't want to see him. I just don't. Because... I, well, it's, it's impossible to please him for one. And I just don't think anything can good can come from a dialogue with him because it's just, it's constant negative. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to communicate with him. You know, I'm just over it. So it was, it was a relief to me. But anyway, then I went back home for, uh, my little sister's funeral <laughs> a lot of death and uh and i seen him and i didn't talk to him you know at the funeral and you know because i was told that he didn't want to see me so 
good, good. I don't want to talk to him. So I don't, but then he's complaining to everybody else that I never come and see him. And then when they told him, well, he said that you didn't want to see him. then he's like, Oh, I never said that. And then he says, he does want to see me. So now it's my obligation to go see him. And I just really came to the conclusion that I don't, I don't like that part of me, that impossible to please father syndrome that has definitely become a part of, of my personality. I don't like it. I do not like that. So I feel like I will give no place to that. So I'm just not playing that game. And it's not, you got to be careful too. When you, when you actually decide to cut yourself off because we're a combination, right? Our identity is, it's a culmination of all the people that we come in contact with throughout our lives. And mainly the people we're in contact with the first seven years, right? Cause that's when your subconscious mind and your, you know, your habitual patterns are actually formed, but that goes on t- through life, right? So if you want to be something, then you've got, you've got to be aware of the people that you're around. You know, if you want to be a certain type of person, then you got to hang around the type of people that are like that. And there's no exception to that law. It's like the five, the average of the five people you most hang around, right? So when you get to a point where like, you don't want to be what you've been, you know, you got to cut yourself off from the people that are like the way you don't want to be. But you got to really be careful with that because you don't want to use your absence as a weapon against them. Because that's toxic. Like you don't want to weaponize your absence, like your withholding of affection, right? Because that is the impossible to please father syndrome at its core. Like that's the manipulative tool to, uh, to withhold affection, right? And that's what makes people want to please you more. And it's just, and it's so destructive and toxic. So it's like, what's the spirit behind the decision to not interact with certain people. So you got to be careful there. But if you want to change, you got to change the people you interact with. And nothing's an absolute, right? There's circumstances come in and you just got to do the best you can and then recenter and all that. So I decided not to go see him. Like I'm not doing it. I'm just not. I don't, I don't. And I wish him the best. I really do. And I gave it everything I had for so long and I don't feel bad about it. Like I got to do me. And so I don't go see him. And then anyway, a couple months later, my uncle Ben, 10 years cancer, he dies. And, uh, right when the show is going on, you know, the Dallas show and luckily the funeral and all the travel does not, uh, it doesn't interfere with, uh, with the time that I'm scheduled to run the show. But it bumps right up against it. So I'm like running, running late, late nights, early mornings to get traveled and all this and get up there. But anyway, my, uh, my uncle Ben died and I got to go to the funeral and I'm supposed to read the 23rd Psalm, you know, and I don't know if I'm supposed to, I'm not supposed to say anything. I'm just supposed to read the Psalm or I don't have to say nothing. I don't know. But so my plan is to just read the, that, that, uh, verse. And, uh, my uncle David, who's actually a He's done a lot of public speaking in his day. He's run big, big pharmaceutical companies and stuff. He got pretty close to my uncle Ben in the last few years, and uh, he's going to do the the bulk of the speaking. And um, 
and then I'm going to come up and do the, do the Psalm or whatever. But anyway, we get there. And so my anxiety is around seeing my grandpa, right? Because like the shedding of the ashes is out at the farm, you know, it's his, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk to him. I don't, I don't. Cause I just think things are always just going to be the way they've always been. And I've, you know, done a little, a little research on the matter. And that's what that, that's been confirmed. It's just the way it's always been, but worse, you know? So I just don't want to talk to him. But anyway, I get there and, uh, start seeing everybody and I see him and I, you know, he's right there in line. So I go talk to him and it worked out, you know, I'm talking to him and then he instantly starts talking about dogs. You know, that's my love language. That's what we really connected on was dogs. Cause he had the best dogs in the country, you know, some of the best dogs in the country. And, uh, I loved him more than anything. And that's a passion I still have. But, you know, he said, you got to come out and see my dog. I bought from Czechoslovakia. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, as and that's about all that, that's about all that God said. And then some, some blonde in a miniskirt sat down on his lap. <laughs> and, then, and then I just got up and left. So it was my out. So I got out. And uh, I was glad. Like it worked out. Like to where it didn't look like I was just walking away. And then it come time for me to speak. And my uncle David second cousin is actually what he is. It was my dad's first cousin. But anyway, he was, we were talking beforehand, you know, and David got a relationship with God here because he had cancer a few years ago and Ben did. And, you know, Ben and I really connected on that. And so David said that I was going to talk about that. (laughs) I didn't know he was going to say that. So then I get up there. Now I got to actually say something, but man, God is good. I don't know, man. I don't know. I pray. I pray most, you know, every day and I fast and I go to church and, you know, I do all the stuff, right? And I do, I believe that all the, the consecration that I put into my walk with God, like it really showed up in that moment. And I don't, I don't know what I said, but it wasn't me. It was God, but it was me, right? It was, I talked the stories in the back and it was really, it was light too. It was, I wasn't pushing doctrine. I wasn't pushing doctrine because people don't understand. They don't even know what the word doctrine means, right? And the doctrine of Christ matters, right? It, it, you know, eternity rests upon it. But, uh, but most people don't know nothing like that. But I really think it was inspired by God and it was great. And uh, somebody actually seen a, a glow off of my head when I was up there speaking. And I've had that happen before. Supernatural, right? And, uh, and this person who will remain nameless because she doesn't want she doesn't want me to tell people but anyway so but like literally like when she comes around me she's like starts shaking and uh it says atheist too right it's like i'm reconsidering my belief in god she's like there's just something about you i really think you should get you know into you know more speaking and blah blah you know and all that and and just the things that I was saying just in conversation prior to speaking up there and all that, I just really feel like I need to talk to you. And, you know, so we exchange numbers. So just divine, divine providence, right? Divine appointments. Like God is good, man. So the strength and the power of, I, I fasted right before I went on this trip too. It was so amazing. Cause typically my scheduled three day would not have fallen on that, but we have a corporate 
quarterly three-day fast that we do at the church and so i it landed perfect but um so yeah it was it was good it was so it was so awesome and then we went to go spread the ashes and we went to go have the meal and that was a little bit tumultuous internally for me you know because it's like i should go talk to my grandpa but it's like oh god i just don't want to so i didn't and from a distance you know he could see me but i never went and talked to him anyway then we went and spread the ashes he didn't come to that he had to go take a nap because he's old and uh i was like okay i i'm out scot-free and then everybody wants to go to the bar one of the there's two bars that i grew up going to all the time and you know and it'd be cool to go, you know, to kind of see, like, where I grew up and stuff and, you know, hang out for a minute. But I don't want to because he'll end up there for sure. But anyway, we end up going. And it's great. And I'm, like, ready to go. I'm ready to go. And I go back to my seat to get my jacket or something. And there he is. Like, he's in my seat. I didn't even realize it. But, like, he's busy talking or something. And, then like, I kind of... And then I put my arm around him, kind of gave him a hug, whatever, real quick, like a one-second thing, and then just kept walking. And it, and it worked out, and then he left. So I didn't have to talk to him. So that's a big... <laughs> a lot of who I am. It's funny, because, like, all the women that we dated, you know, my uncles and my dad dated, like, you know, they... Everything... Slim was his name. He got real fat in the 80s, so they called him Slim. And, uh... They're just like, how can the whole world revolve around this slim character? You know, and then they meet him and then they realize, yeah, whatever. You know, it is what it is. But it just does. My whole life has always just revolved around that that masculine authority, you know, that quasi-authority and like wanting to please it. And now I just want to avoid it. Like there's, you know, but I think there's some value in that as well, right? It's just that's a, that's a toxic form of, of leadership. But God is a pure, perfect form of leadership. And I think that my, 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 my desire to please God is, is healthy. But then again, my interpretation of God, my, my intellectual understanding of God's nature, I think is pretty accurate. You know, I get that from the Bible. But my subconscious belief of God's nature toward my performance is a little flawed. Like, you know, I kind of think God's always mad at me or something. I'm not doing good enough. I'm not doing good enough. And that is true. Like, I'm not doing good enough. I'm in my mortal body. Like, I'm not going to hit it perfect. But progress, I think, is the main thing that God's looking for. And I think any good leader, like, as long as there's progress in the right direction, even if it's slow, you know, there's certain things you need to pick up the pace or whatever. But as long as you're going in the right direction, I think that's that's what's right. But anyway, so like all I'm messed up because of a lot of reasons and we all are, right? But my grandfather has a lot to do with it. So I got through all that. Got to talk to my uncle David a lot. Really awesome guy, you know, a lot of cool experiences and we're going to hook up here uh in the near future when I get my business really flowing. But anyway, so that was um I handled that that uh situation or god handled it for me pretty well and uh the very next day after the funeral i flew out went down to uh 
flew down to Houston, got a ride back to Vider, got in my car, packed, and then the very next day, drove all the way to Dallas and worked nine days straight, 12 hours a day, on my feet, and uh, made a deal first day. Uh, it was awesome. And then made another deal, and another deal, and another deal, and another deal. And uh, I messed up a few times, but I can see where I messed up. And the show is like, it's just everything is a metaphor for life if you just break it apart, you know, and you look at it through a certain, for like what it really is. But working the show, it's crazy because like people don't want to be harped and told and sold and told how good your product is and everything. They just don't want that. And no one does, right? And I don't want it. And so no one wants it. So you've got you've to be so cool about it to where you don't push them away. And what I've found is your best bet is probably just to sit there and not even look at them and let them come to you with questions. And then be cool and cool and cool. And don't push nothing. Just be cool. And then once you get the information out of them that they need the product, then... Then you go into sales mode, but you can't, you can't go into the sales cadence or vibe. You got to stay cool. That's what a good salesman does though. They sell without being salesy, right? But what, but what you can do better is actually stand up and work it. And there's a guy there that does, but if you work it and you're in the wrong vibe, you're going to do more harm than good. Cause you're just going to push him away. You know, but this dude is like, he's really good. And so I got to watch him and I got to watch his emotions, you know, because, you know, he gets hit by it too, you know, like he gets discouraged by the way things are. And he's like the best, right? So I got to watch it on a very minuscule, like his range of emotion is very, it's a lot smaller than mine, but I can still see it. And I'm like, wow, just the slightest little subtle shift in emotion is going to affect the, the performance, you know, of, of what he's doing. And I, uh, so I got to really observe him and I got to observe myself and just the way the crowd goes and everything else. And I, uh, I really had a good time and I loved it and, uh, made enough deals, made enough deals to launch what I really want to launch. Maybe not, maybe not like the one, yeah, whatever I'm getting, there's a two kind of two, it's a two step thing that I'm doing and it's Facebook ads or not necessarily Facebook ads. It's online targeting to fill my calendar, right? I want to fill my calendar with zoom calls because on zoom calls so far, just the people I practice with, like they buy because it's like, it's really good. It keeps them focused in and, uh, and I can do so much more and I, it gives me the freedom to travel, right? I just need uh, I just need uh, Wi-Fi to do my job then and I can make sales. So that's really what I want. But uh, that's, there's a couple steps in that funnel. So it's going to cost a little more to get the good leads and everything else. So what I did a few months ago that worked great, but I didn't even realize how great it worked because I got hit, right? I got hit with a maxed out credit card, which it wasn't, I wasn't expecting a maxed out credit card. Uh, and my ads quit working because the, the credit card was maxed out or they quit running, but they were working three to one. Like put a hundred dollars in, get 300 out, or I'd put $200 in and I'd get a deal, which made me 600. Right. And it's like, wow, 
this is profitable. This is amazing. Now it was tough though. I was working hard and I was getting ghosted and you know, people weren't showing up to the meetings and, but I wasn't doing it very well. And I was still getting three to one on my money. And it was like, so then when I picked it back up and, but anyway, then right about that time I found out that my sis, my sister shot herself, which I don't think she shot herself. No one does. They think she got shot and it's just a big corruption, but you know, that's a hard thing. Right. And so that, that hit me, you know, ah, you know, so like the emotions of life and everything, and I had to go home and God provided me a deal and then another deal to get me through that time. And I kind of get climbed back up and get to, you know, feeling better and kind of seeing things for what they are. But it's like, okay, my Facebook, my online strategy, like I'm realizing how devastating it was getting ghosted. So, okay, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way to where it's really, it's, it's, it's sustainable and everything else. But what you got to do is build off of what works. And that's my problem too. Like I want to jump to something that's going to work perfectly, but no, if it's working a little bit, just improve it, improve it, improve it, and then restructure it and then go to that. So whatever I built out a whole campaign, launched it, and I just didn't have the money to make it work. And I'm looking at it now and it's like, wow, you know, it needs a lot of improvement, but anyway, I'm there. I hope I'm making sense, but anyway, I have enough money to at least run the prior ad that was giving me to three to one and improve that, optimize it. So it's a win. It's a win. The show was a win. And I am uh, really happy about that. I'm at 29 minutes and 13 seconds. I think it shuts off at 30. But uh, but I'm home now and I haven't been podcasting. And uh, but anyway, yeah, I had a good time this last couple weeks and I'm home and I got my routine that I got to get back going on. My house is a complete mess. So I got to go clean it. But, uh, and I got plenty of leads and emails. I got to, you know, update these email lists and get some, you know, the emails. So they're actually right. Cause I got a few that are entered in wrong and all that. And, uh, I got plenty to do, but I've got like four or five deals just back home before I left to follow up with that could really turn into deals. And then one of my, one of my leads in, uh, in Dallas was, uh, was a Beaumont family that really want an air purifier. And they're like, Oh, we live in Beaumont. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Look at that. It's still going, still going 30, 30 minutes. So I don't know. Do I keep talking? Yeah. Well, Maybe do I, yeah, there's another thing I want to talk about, but I don't know if I want to talk about it right now. Maybe I'll talk about it tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to check off here. Okay, bye.